It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. What's interesting about Todd is um, he's not only a financial writer, he's, uh, he's, his writing has been featured in Wall Street Journal, uh, Money Magazine, Investors Business Daily, Yahoo Finance, Bankrate, and, and a bunch more. But he's also a former hedge fund manager who retired at the age of 35. And now he lives the life that most of us dream of, where he likes to write nine months out of the year, and then he plays for three months out of the year. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bert. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. You bet. All Thanks. right. So, As uh, people can tell, 35 was a long time ago, judging by the gray goatee, right? <laughs> Yeah, we were, you guys missed it. We, we, we were having this great, great little conversation uh, before the show started about, uh, you know, aging and the old man ponytail and <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. So, you know what? So here we are, we're, we're uh, living in an extraordinary time in history. Um, and I, I'm excited to have you on the show because one of the things that you teach, one of the things that you talk about is that the traditional retirement model, the retirement plan has failed the people. So talk about this. What's the alternative? What's going on? Well, what I teach in my book and also my course is the idea that you really want to focus on cash flow, not assets. Um, traditional retirement planning is all about this idea that you accumulate this big pile of assets and then you spend it down once you're old and you're not making money anymore. So the idea is you're supposed to work like a dog and scrimp and save, and then you do nothing of substance for the remainder of your life as you spend down that pile of assets. That's not actually how most people retire in the real world. Um, I teach things like lifestyle uh, phased retirement where, you know, the old model is you, um, you go to school, you work, you have a career and then you retire, right? And another model that you can put in there is this period of fulfillment somewhere in between where you work, you save, you build your base finances, and then you have a period of fulfillment in between where you can do a lot of different things. Um, the idea that retirement is a period of cessation of economic activity where you don't make any money is just flawed. I mean, most people are doing consulting, they do side hustles, they do other gigs. Uh, we live so much longer in retirement now that it's just it's just not representative of how people actually live any longer. Yeah, you know what? And I think I think that now as retirement, we have definitely more options. You're right. We're certainly living longer. But Bert, I don't have your voice. Okay, testing one, two, three. Your <laughs> voice is gone. <laughs> hey, great technology. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, Won't well, well, it's it's uh, looking good on my end. Everything's working on my end. Uh, anyway, um, there, your voice is back. Okay, so you know what? It could be uh, a bandwidth issue with internet, since uh, I think you said your wife, uh, not your wife, your daughter, is doing a Zoom class, a class via Zoom, um, and uh, you know my. Yeah, hopefully Hopefully it doesn't happen again, the, the microphone reset, but we should be good now. You sound okay. good. So I'm sorry. I missed what you were saying after that. That's Go okay. ahead. Okay. I was just saying that, you know, as long as I can remember, retirement has never been about sitting at home 
waiting to die. I think that most people, when they retire, as you mentioned, they're going to do something else. Maybe it's going to be consulting. Maybe it's going to be, uh, you know, starting uh, whatever that next chapter is in their life. But today, more than ever, we have so many options. As you mentioned, we're living longer. People are more health conscious, I think, in retirement than they, you know, than they used to be. So again, we're living longer. Uh, but you know, they want to spend more time with their grandkids. They want to travel more. Uh, you know, you mentioned the side hustle. I think that's uh, again that gig economy is is ever growing and and yeah, the idea the idea that a fulfilling life is a cessation of activity is nonsense. Right, it's absolutely nonsense. I mean, I quote unquote retired at age thirty five. That was what twenty five years ago. Um, I'm building a business right now. I'm not that uncommon. I mean, if you look at people who retire early, my pattern is actually quite typical. Um, and that's what people are striving to do is retire early. The reason you want to retire early is then your life can be focused on what fulfills you, what brings the greatest meaning to your life. That's the real value. It's not about not working. It's not about not making money. It's about what brings meaning to your life when you don't have to worry about putting food on the table. And that's completely different from how traditional retirement planning has been taught. Yeah, absolutely correct. I want to, I want to talk Sometime about we switch over it changes. Let me, I wonder if it's just, uh, maybe we'll, maybe I won't be able to switch over anymore. Go ahead and talk, Bert. All I, right. Every time I stop talking, the mic switches on me. That's interesting. I wonder if it's, uh, I've never had that. So, uh, well, I want to talk about this a little bit. You have this three model approach. Talk about your three model approach. Yeah. So each model has a different reflection of reality, right? None of them fully reflects total reality. They each show you a different piece of retirement planning as it's done correctly. Okay. And so the first one is the traditional model, right? Because it's an asset-based model. It's not that it's broken. It's not that it's completely wrong. It's just a half-truth. It's showing one piece of reality. The second model is what I call the lifestyle model. That's not asset-based or cash flow-based. The third model is cash flow-based, by the way. I'm skipping ahead. The, the second model is lifestyle-based, and that shows how you can dramatically shape the numbers by how you shape your lifestyle. Um, and then the third one is cash flow-based model. And what that is, is rather than think about retirement planning as building this big pile of assets, right. and then you spend it down towards death, instead, the cash flow-based model is that you build a pile of assets that supports your spending. In other words, it throws off enough cash flow that it supports your spending in perpetuity. And these are key, key ideas. They sound cute or they sound nuanced. They actually aren't because they fundamentally change retirement planning because there's certain assumptions you have to build into the traditional asset-based model that cannot be made. Whereas the cash flow based model completely overcomes them. And the lifestyle based model allows you to close gaps that are inherent in most people's retirement plans. Most people don't have enough money under the traditional model. Right. And so the lifestyle model allows you to close those gaps. So each one has a different function. Each one shows you a different piece of the equation. And the nice thing is they are not mutually exclusive. They fit together. They all work together. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, one of the other things that I make that I think makes retirement and investing so difficult is that, for, in, for instance, your typical 401k has so many fees involved, right? That in some cases you might have earned, and I'm again, this is just an example, you might have earned 10% on your money, but after they back out all the fees, you're down to three or 4% return on your money because the fees have eaten away so much. 
And, and I think that most people, even though they might be aware that they're paying these, uh, these massive fees, they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Well, this issue you're bringing up is way bigger than you're even hitting on. So I have a, I have a video on my site called How Your Financial Advisor is Taking 75% of Your Retirement Income, wow. dot, 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 or more, okay? And that may sound astounding, right? But when you understand the math of what you just talked about, it's really obvious, okay? Yeah. And so do you want me to go through it really quick with people? Yes. Okay. So- there's a couple things in here. One is uh, compound returns and the rule of 72. So I'm just giving you really quick rules of thumb numbers, things to make this intuitive. If if you have a financial advisor who's taking a 1% fee, which is not that uncommon, it's actually quite common. And let's say they put you in high fee products. Again, what you were reflecting on is the importance of these little tiny fees and how they compound out. Let's just take a ballpark number of 2% as an all-in fee structure. Rule 72 tells you that every... 36 years, you have half as many assets. Well, most people are saving over at least a 36-year period for their retirement. Plus, they usually have about a 36-year period in retirement, right? So again, I'm being really conservative when I say that a 2% all-in fee structure will half the amount of money you have in retirement, all of the things being equal. So that's the first half number, right? That halves now we go into the 4% rule for what you can spend in retirement. And so the 4% rule assumes no fees, no expenses. So if you pull 2% out of it, you can spend half as much again. So half of half means you get 25% because your financial advisor is taking those fees. And I want to be clear, that's conservative. Yeah. Okay? If you look at, if you do the research on what fee structures actually are, they can run higher than that. They can run a little lower than that. But again, I use conservative timeframes and I use conservative spending patterns. At the market valuations and interest rates we have, you're probably more supportable for a 3% fee structure on a conventional asset allocation. I'm sorry, a 3% uh, safe withdrawal rate on a conventional asset allocation, maybe up to about 4% now with the recent declines. And on the um, time period, I did 36 years. Most people are much longer than 36 years. And so I was very conservative to give latitude for having the fees higher or lower. The point is, those numbers are real. They right. cannot be discounted. Yeah, and it's amazing. Uh, you wonder why the average American, back to what, you, what we started the show with, the, you know, the, the traditional retirement plan is broken. Why? Well, because things like that, where in a lot of cases, those fees are not really well disclosed or they gloss over them. Hey, I'm only going to charge you 1%, but they don't explain, hey, that 1% over time is going to eat you alive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, most people don't even know the math, right? I imagine most of your listeners are hearing this for the first time in this conversation right now. So they don't even know the math. And a lot of financial advisors don't really understand the math that well either. Again, they're doing what they were taught. And this is not to level the financial advice business. There's a lot of people doing their level best with right. the limited knowledge they have to serve people. So I'm not trying to be like overly negative to the financial advice business or anything like that. I just know this from working with people, what people do understand and don't understand. Most people don't understand the incredibly important role that these fees, these little tiny fees that you might be tempted to ignore how they, the huge role they play in the amount of money you have to spend in retirement. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, let's talk about this. Um, I want to talk about the role that uncertainty 
um, plays in all this. Uh, you know, in other words, when, when it's time to, I guess, look at something and you're trying to calculate the money you might need, how do you go about doing that? Because it's hard to forecast the future because of the uncertainty. So, so talk about the uncertainty yeah, so, factor, how to calculate all this. Yeah. So the uncertainty issue is particularly important in the traditional model. I get around it with the lifestyle model and the cash flow model. But in the in the traditional model, what you're doing is you're doing an equation to forecast how much money you need to retire. And that equation requires all kinds of assumptions for extremely long periods of time. And the problem is those assumptions can't be made reliable even one year into the future, not to mention over a very long period of time. So let's go through a couple of them really quick just to give you a flavor of it. One of the assumptions you have to put into the calculator is inflation. Now, here's the funny thing. There's PhD economists who study nothing but inflation as part of their PhD. They've, they've gone deeper into this than you and I ever will, and they can't even get it right one year into the future. The idea that you're going to forecast inflation 30 years into the future with any semblance of accuracy, particularly given what's going on in government finance today, which is the primary role or cause that drives inflation and how it's dramatically different from anything historically that existed. Uh, the idea that you're going to forecast the ultimate uh, result of inflation 30 years in the future is a laughable joke. Um, now, you may think, oh, I'll get somewhat close. I'll use 3%. That's what everybody does, right? Because that's the long-term historical inflation. But you got to understand the difference here. This goes back to our earlier conversation. If you're off by 1% or 2%, it can double, triple, half the, the amount of money you need in retirement. And that's just one assumption. Let's do another one, which is your investment return. Your investment return, nobody knows what their investment return is going to be over 30 years. Nobody knows what it's going to be over 15 years. And so, and those numbers are critically important because they have a compound effect on your retirement. And so that's the role that uncertainty plays. And that's what the cash flow model gets around. Yeah, you know, uh the the uh this this thing that uh that you bring up this uncertainty and i like the fact that you're getting everybody focused or mindset if you will about the cash flow model which is create a retirement program that is going to cash flow your lifestyle right and i think again when it comes to retirement that isn't the mindset the mindset hasn't been hey we're going to create a retirement program that's going to allow you to live on the terms that you want to live on. Most of them, it's like, as you mentioned earlier, we're going to give you this substandard amount of lifestyle, right? That, that you can't really live on and, and be fulfilled. So I like, I like, I like the shift. It's a nuance, but I like that shift. Well, and there's some other thinking that comes out of this is you really start to play with it and you get it in your bones. Like right now we're just talking about it, right? But as you really work with it, a lot of other things open up. Like here, I'll throw another concept out called what I call the new retirement. Okay. And what I've dubbed the new retirement is something I've seen a lot of clients doing. And that is that rather than do a traditional retirement plan where you have to save this insurmountably large mountain of money, right? And using the assumptions for today with high market valuations and low interest rates and things like that, there's this huge pile of money that you're supposed to save. And so rather than do that, what they do is they save enough to give themselves a safety cushion so they can go off and pursue the life they want. So maybe they get their house paid for and they get a little nest egg 
that can last them a few years, like two, three years. And then they say, that's enough runway for my dream business that I've always wanted to build. Right. Or, or maybe it's enough cash flow long-term if I can build this other business I'm really interested in that I do part-time. So let me give you an example. Let's say you've got an accountant and he hates having a staff. He hates twice a year working 14 hours, 15 hour days, and then having to carry the practice in between. He doesn't like paying rent or anything. So what he does is he says, you know what? Forget all this. What I'm going to do, I've got enough reserves. I've got enough basics. I got my financial life in order. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to work three months out of the year during peak tax season. And I'm going to work for my buddy Fred over there because he's overwhelmed as well during peak tax season. He knows I know taxes. So I'm going to come in. I'm going to work three months out of the year and I'm going to make enough to pay my bills because now I'm at a lower tax rate. I don't have all these different issues. So I'm paying a lot less in taxes than I would if I weren't for the big income. I've got my expenses down and I go travel in my RV and I go fish nine months out of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so we got a question in from uh, Kyle S. Uh, Kyle S. Uh, quickly, he wants to get, get your idea, your thoughts on uh, on the stimulus, the, the market's up today. Uh, and, and, and so... Do you think that the market is going to is now recovering because of the stimulus? Is it just going to be up for a day or two and then crash back down? Any thoughts given your your life experience? Ooh, let me get my crystal ball out here, Bert. Okay, let me see. The crystal ball tells me. I don't know what the future's got. You think anybody knows what the future is going to be? Least of all me. Actually, I'm pretty good at this stuff, okay? Because I've been in the markets my whole life, right. uh, my whole adult life. Um, I've managed risk through every market crash, starting with 87 successfully. We we're totally in cash for the 87 crash. Um, I've done very well. Even in this crash, I've done very well. Um, what I can tell you is we were at a meltdown point going into Monday's open. Um, there was severe stresses. Uh, money market funds were having to be funded. So um, BNY Mellon uh, had to fund one of their money market funds because it went below liquidity requirements. Uh, Goldman Sachs had to. There was severe pricing dislocations in the bond market. Um, so then you saw the Fed come in Monday with an unbelievable stimulus package. I, the, the way the media characterized it, I thought was brilliant, which is what they said was in 2008, 2009, if we characterize that as a bazooka, this was a nuclear bomb. I mean, it's unbelievable what they did. They're, they're basically guaranteeing everything. Right. You yeah. know, they're like the lender of last resort on everything. Well, the markets decided they liked it enough that it calmed and it brought liquidity back to the markets. I have no idea if this is going to be a short-term pop or if they manage to stop this downturn there's certainly going to be long-term implications because here's the reality. You and I are paying all that Fed stimulus. Right, right. You know, when they give you free money on your tax return, everybody else is paying for it. It's a transfer payment. The Fed creates nothing. The government creates nothing. They merely collect it and redistribute it or they borrow it. Um, you can see one symptom of that right now. If I mean, again, if you're looking for current market events, I really don't want to talk about it because as soon as we talk about it, it's outdated. Sure. Um, literally, because it's going down day to day right now. But if you look at the gold market reaction, uh, the gold futures are in backwardation. Um, there's 
uh, severe dislocations in pricing structure. I've seen price moves in gold market. I've never seen it. $50 and $100 moves in the gold market right now. Um, but that's telling you something's really up with uh, the Fed policy. Uh, the, also, the bond market had dislocations with um, Fed intervention at the level it's doing because ultimately all of that has to get funded and it has to get funded through the bond markets. So there's a lot of digestion of unprecedented levels of activity, both in the financial collapse that led up to the unprecedented Fed activity and the Fed activity now and what the long-term consequences are of that Fed activity. Um, so my crystal ball, that's as far as it goes. I can see today, tomorrow. Uh, I can see what's going on in relation to the news. Um, but the long-term implications, I mean, the volatility tells you something, the incredible volatility. Because the job of the financial markets is to do long-term discounting of cash flows, right? So the the value of the assets is the long is the present is the discount present value of the long-term cash flows. Right. What creates volatility is when there's uncertainty around what those cash flows will be, and that's what you've got right now. You've got massive uncertainty around: Are we going to deal with a horrible spout of spite of in, inflation on the backside of this? Are we still in a deflationary collapse, which is where we were going? I mean, we were in a full-on deflationary meltdown collapse that was going to lead to a credit collapse. That's where we were on Monday before that Fed intervention. Now people are going, wait a minute, are we in an inflationary collapse now? Like it's there's just extraordinary uncertainty, which is creating extraordinary price movement day to day to day. And uh, my crystal ball is just a little foggy on that one. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Wow. You know what? And 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 nobody like for example in 2007 uh you know the day that uh, the market started crashing in 2007 if people go back in time and they look at the day before that crash you know there were there were no experts saying hey watch out this crash is coming they were all gung-ho bullish and the next day boom so you know the crystal ball is you know, as you said, is, is only good for like right now, everybody, everybody's guess is as good as anybody else's out there because you just never know because we're not seeing everything. There's, you know, there's all these different factors uh, that we're not seeing. So anyway, thank you for answering that. But I, I want to come back and, and, and focus on this uh, back to uh, your book and, and, and the retirement model. I want to pop this up one more time here. The book is called How Much Money Do I Need for Retirement? Uncommon Financial Planning Wisdom for a Stress-Free Retirement. I love that, a stress-free retirement. And so based on that, I want to ask you, uh, what are the factors that most people fail to take into account when they're looking at the retirement planning? There's quite a few of them. We touched on them a little bit already in the interview. The biggest one, I think, is uncertainty. I think people mistake the models that the financial advisor is working with or they see online. They mistake them for reality. There's a certain scientific precision behind these calculators that is very uh, deceptive uh, because ultimately they're garbage in, garbage out. They're only as accurate as the assumptions you put in. And there's almost no way your assumptions are going to be accurate 30 years into the future. 
Um, so I think that's one of the big mistakes people make. I think the other one that people make is that they underrate the lifestyle component and the role that plays. The FIRE community uh, had a sudden growth in popularity. FIRE is an acronym for Financial Independence Retire Early. Um, they had a sudden growth in popularity and the thing that they got right, they made a lot of mistakes and I'm not advocating a lot of what they um, speak for. Uh, but the one thing they've really got, not one thing, one of the things, they got a lot of things right, but they, one of the things they got right was an emphasis on lifestyle choices and the role that cost structure plays in uh, in retirement and how much it costs you to retire. Uh, they really mastered that one. So I think that's another thing that people underplay in general is they don't question what makes them happy. You know, what do you really need for a fulfilling life? Is it a book and a chair? Or is it a five-star hotel in a foreign country and a McMansion? You know, like you've got to really get clear on what makes you happy and what does it cost to support that happiness? And what price are you paying in terms of life energy to go earn these things that society says we may need, but we really don't? Right, right. And, yeah. and I think you've hit it back again, you've hit on the head. This mic thing's infuriating. Yeah. Uh so, so I think the, the, the biggest thing that you that you've hit on the head is is what is it that we really want and we need to peel away some of the junk that people said that we need for retirement that we may not need for our specific retirement. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people who, man, they they got uh, they got that golden parachute and they moved everything to Belize where they were able to buy a a nice little house either near or on the beach. And because it's in Belize, you know, they're set for life and they're living their dream, which is to be able to go fishing and surfing and scuba diving and sailing. And life is great for them. And if that's what you want, then th that might be the model you want to follow. Uh, but as you mentioned, I mean, if, if you want to have a McMansion and a plane and a, and all that other stuff, then you're going to have to definitely create a different lifestyle. I, I want to ask yeah, you, a, by the way, there's no right, wrong. No, it's there works for you and what's fulfilling for you. What reflects your values. That's what matters. Absolutely. And what um, we're doing is we're just advocating you to question the assumptions, question the assumptions in the model, question the assumptions behind retirement planning and how it's even premised, question yeah. the assumptions in your thinking about what makes you happy. When you start questioning these things, you'll find you can knock a million, two million off your retirement plan and be happier. You can cut 10, 20, 30 years off how long it takes to reach your goals. I mean, people are doing it all the time. These are not extreme numbers. I mean, it sounds extreme in the interview, but people do this all the time. It's totally doable. It's just a question of you deciding what's important to you. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, because you mentioned some of the things that the, uh, what was the acronym? FIRE? Yeah, FIRE community. Fire community got right. Some of the things they got right. So I want to ask you about the, the magical retirement number. Is there an actually a magical retirement number? No, no. no. That's why, that's why I have the other models, the lifestyle model and the, uh, and the um, cash flow model. You know, I personally use the cash flow model. Most of my clients, uh, most people in my wealth planning course, most of them use the cash flow model once they understand at a deep level, how all this works. Um, doesn't mean that the asset-based model, that magical retirement number model, that's what the asset-based model is, doesn't mean it's worthless. It's quite valuable, actually, and it has functions. You just have to understand its limited use and not mistake it for reality. That's all. 
I love it. I love it. All right. One more time here. Uh, the book, How Much Money Do I Need to Retire? How Much Money Do I Need to Retire? And I love the subtitle, Uncommon Financial Planning Wisdom for a Stress-Free Retirement. I like the stress-free model myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what I'm looking for in retirement. And uh, Todd, I want to say thank you so much for stopping by. I'd love to bring you back and talk more. Yeah, I'd love to come on. I enjoyed talking with you, Bert. So just check with my assistant anytime. Happy to talk with you. All righty. And if somebody wants to come out, if somebody wants to reach you, they can go to financialmentor.com. Yeah, financialmentor.com is the hub of everything. I give away tons of resources. I got free book, free course, you know, 80, I got most financial calculators on the internet for free. You know, it's, you know, just tons of stuff, thousand printed pages of content free. So just come on over, get to know it and decide if you, if you're getting value or not, if you connect with the message and that's financialmentor.com. I love it, Todd. Thank you so much. We'll catch up with you later. All right. Thanks for having me on the show, Bert. You bet. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.